on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Hello, this is Trevor Brookin, and you're listening to the West Ham Way here on Phoenix FM. And welcome to the 100th West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker and Kevin Slade from the online fanzine Sex, Drugs and Cult and Cole, alongside serial YTK blogger, XWHU employee. Tonight we are sharing this very special show with a very special guest and a man who helped us launch this podcast back in July 2016. That man is, of course, Sir Trevor Brookin. And tonight we're going to be getting his thoughts on all things West Ham. Then, as always, we're going to be closing the show with questions from our collective followers on social media. You're not going to want to miss this, so stay tuned for the next hour of this live and very special show. So Trevor Brookin, welcome back to the West Ham Way podcast. It's lovely to see you again, mate. How are you keeping you well? I'm okay, thanks. Although last couple of years have been pretty traumatic since you've been been a lot of good news, so... um, yeah, perhaps we'll have to turn it around after today. It's, uh, it's, it's very true, very true. Um, you are a man that needs no introduction, but I'm going to give you one anyway. Nearly 20 years at West Ham, Sir Trevor made 643 appearances in all competitions, scoring over 100 goals, winning two FA Cups and more Hammer of the Year awards than any other player in the club's history. I think it's fair to say, Trevor, you did all right for us, didn't you? <laughs> I was having that good times. You know, we um, when I first joined the club, of course, it was... Uh, Bobby Moore and Jeff Hurst and Knight and Peters were within a year of me joining in 65. They'd uh, had won the World Cup, uh, or shall we say England had won the World Cup, but we, we try to say West Ham was three, <laughs> three the start in 11. But, you know, that was an exciting time. And then, you know, Billy Barnes, Frank Lampard, who was with me at the same time, and, and myself, you know, we had best part, as we say, 19, 20 years together as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So for those who want to hear about Trevor's fascinating career at West Ham, which lasted nearly two decades, we would encourage you to download the first ever show we did, which is available on most platforms, including the Phoenix FM website, because tonight we want to focus on the here and now and get your thoughts, Trevor, on a variety of West Ham-related talking points. The first one being our anticlimactic start to the season, if it's fair to say. What are your thoughts on the first two games? (laughs) Um, Well, uh, I I went up to Liverpool and... um, to be fair, they were very good, um, and um, you know they brought in new players, and uh, you know the front three were always exciting last year. But uh, Cater in midfield, the little eight was really sharp, and uh, you know he played well at Palace. I thought the other night, so um, they were good. We, um, you know, you know brought in eight, nine, ten players, however many you want to say, and. Um, when you're bringing in different players like that and uh, you're trying to play a new system, it's a problem. On up there, you know, West Ham played quite a high line with the back four, and um, it's probably the worst opening game to try that because you know you got the front three. I mean, ooh, lightning quick for me. Yeah, they're special and, and players, so, aren't they? They yeah, work very well together as yeah, well. It's yeah. hard for any defence, no matter how organised, to, to deal with those boys. And then two fullbacks, yeah, Robertson and yeah, the, the Trent kept bombing on. Um, and the problem was we we try to push up play the high line, but they kept getting down the by line. And um, the scary thing was there must have been seven or eight balls went across the six yard box 
Whereas normally you'd try and get a defender to block the near post across the face of the goal and you know, they've got to clip it or try and pull it back or whatever. But when seven or eight go across the six-yard box, because our back lads haven't quite got back in time, mm. it's not a surprise two of them got side-footed in and one actually hit <laughs> keeps in the, you know, in the gut. We, we did really well. And... Uh, and the other five went right across the goal and they slid in and, you know, wanted to have two touches, but they didn't quite get it into the goal. So that was always going to be a, a tough challenge. And, uh, you know, when you're under that sort of pressure, you're not going to find it easy then to, to cause them problems. And we, you know, we didn't really create a lot. Yeah. Again, everyone, I'm not saying accepted that, but um, they were hoping that the Bournemouth game would then, you know, at home mm. would be the change. But um, when you're trying to settle in players doesn't quite work that way and uh, I was hoping we are going to get the result against Bournemouth because if you look at the fixtures the fixtures for 7 or 8 were really tough and mm. that was the one you were trying to look to, to get your win because um, well the first three away games you know Liverpool, Arsenal Everton and then our third and fourth home games with Chelsea and Man U so mm. now, you know, that wasn't the easiest start so we needed no. probably to sit, be sitting here now having got something uh, which we haven't and so suddenly uh, you go into Arsenal who had two tough games as well you know Man City uh, and of course Chelsea and they'll be desperate to get a home win for them to get off the mark mm. so um, it's uh, it's tough you know place to go at the best of times but when they need to get off the mark their new you know, manager it, it, you know it will be a tough game so after the Bournemouth defeat, a lot of our fans are already beginning to start to panic. Do you think they're right to do so, or do you think it's still early days? Uh, yeah, it's much too early days. I mean, easy for me to sit here and say that. I, I'm sure, you know, the club and all the fans, you know, were delighted to see the money spent um, and, um, you know, to get some new faces, new blood. Obviously, you know, I suppose a lot of the money went in two particular players, Anderson, you know, um, 40 million and Diop 21, 22. Diop hadn't played, which uh, you'd have been a bit of a surprise, but he, he obviously perhaps he hasn't settled down enough in time. And um, and then Anderson on the left hand side, you know, I don't know whether that's his best position. Um, yeah, Trent Alexander kept going the other way and, and is, is a good player. I mean, for 19, he's going to be. Yeah, pushing trip here for the England spot very quickly. So um, he played him well, and then yeah, Bunk against Bournemouth, they didn't quite link up, and um, you know his passes went astray. Whether he can play just off a striker, I don't know. You know, as a number ten, everyone likes to play the free roll number ten. But then if you're if you're one of the wide ones in the first couple of games, you know, at times you're having to get him to track back and whatever, and he you know he perhaps hasn't done that where it's been before and, and so that then causes a problem but uh, you know those two um, you know if you've got best part of 60 million wrapped around those two um, then you want to try and see them impacting as, as quickly as possible but um, you know even you know the fact that he plays back four as opposed to three at the back which we had before and over Fredericks and Mizuaku who are good wing backs but mm. struggled on the defensive side mm. in that flat back four. So all, all those things contributed to a tough couple of games, which, um, yeah, could have relaxed everyone if you you'd got the win, one nil at half time or whatever. But having said that, Bournemouth created some chances in the first half and then 
it wasn't a surprise when they scored. Um, but we had other chances in the first half, so we, we looked more threatening going forward because he had two up and whatever, which we rarely had um, in the last couple of seasons. But the first two games, the defence has been vulnerable. Mm, I mean, what, what do you make to the appointment of Pellegrini? Was he the right man? And what, what are the expectations of him this season? Realistically, what does he have to achieve in his first season? Well, I mean, um, I think he's yeah, got a good, good track record. I mean, he uh, naturally Man City, big club, and he won it, and you know had big players and whatever. Um, but I would have thought to attract him that probably the you know West Ham had to you know make sure that you know they, they, yeah we are going to spend money this time. Um, but it's not easy to come in and then you know you'll you'll see videos and whatever of the, of the team and what's needed. Um, but um, yeah, well, arguably the best player we had. For me, other Anotovic has done great last year. Lanzini's been injured, yeah, so he, he lost him straight away. Mm. Um, and when that happened, and he was missing the World Cup, I thought, goodness me, you know, that is a blow. Um, I'm not sure he'd been announced, and whoever's going to take over. So, um, so he was missing. Then obviously, Reedy out for quite a while as well. Um, so there were, you know, two quite big losses. But um, if you're asking me before a ball was kicked, I was saying to my friends or whatever. Tenth will do me, you know. I, I mean, halfway. You, you've got the top six, which I think it's difficult to break into. Yeah. And then I was going to think, you know, you got the likes of Leicester, Everton, spent a lot of money. Um, I thought Fulham and Wolves would be okay because they spent a lot mm. of dough as well. Mm. And and you so you're looking from seventh to twelfth really, and trying to keep out of the eight who are looking over their shoulder. Um, you know, to keep out of trouble, and that's where we've been the last two years, and it, it's not great. And of course, yeah, you you want a goodish start to make sure you're not doing that after the first six weeks. But when I saw the fixtures, I thought, you know, they are going to be tough. And um, certainly Bournemouth, I'd like something from, because that was the one you looked at and thought, well, if we can win that, then, you know, win one more and a couple, draw, you know, it's not you know, not bad start of seven or eight, but losing the Bournemouth one, the first home game, puts everyone a little bit uh, edgy. Um, but it's, you can only do it at, you know, at the training ground. But of course, Pellegrino probably himself is looking at you know different new players and thinking, what's what's my best starting eleven? And you you don't know that you you see it in preseason and that reasonable enough preseason, but you're not playing against the sort of quality you're meeting now in Premier League and so forth. So for me, um, he's going to have to find you know a few out quickly, um, but. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, first three months, I think it is a learning process. It's, it's, it's a worry <laughs> if you're sitting here saying that, but that was always going to be the case before a ball was kicked. Obviously, it's more of a case now because, you know, we lost to Liverpool and we didn't get the result at home that we wanted. So suddenly everyone's saying, oh no, what's happening? And you know, they're all thinking we're going to suddenly press a button and it was all going to be good uh, this mm. season, but um, it will take time. Well, we did a lot of business, spent a lot of money, signed a lot of players. What did you make to the signings that we made and who do you think is going to be the most important for us? Well, at the moment, you need, um, yeah, you, you just need, I don't know, nine, ten players. You probably want four to, to kick in and be successful. Mm. Uh, you know, to sit here and say, oh, they're all going to be great players is, is a nonsense because it doesn't work out that way. Mm. And... Uh, 
So you're looking at, you know, third, 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 really good, third, okay, and the, and the other third, not quite the players at all. But who are the ones? And, and in, I don't think it's probably better. So I think the keeper has done well. I think, um, mm. you know, it sounds silly at Liverpool. Mm, yeah. You couldn't blame him. And he made... It's going to be a lot worse than it for Fab, no, no, he did do really well. Um, so I'm quite relaxed about him. And um, I think he, he should be fine. Um... Fredericks, I quite like the idea of that signing. I saw him at Fulham two or three years, uh, two, two or three games last year, and um, he did okay. He is more of a wing back, attacking player, mm. and um, he did get caught out a couple of times, um, you know, up at Liverpool. But um, it can be strange for him when he's when he's a wing back and suddenly you're playing in a narrow back four, trying to hold the 18 yard box, and um, and that's the angle of the passes got out to the wide fullback where I think another few yards wider you could have stopped that or discouraged the pass being made but because they want to try and be so narrow so as they get, don't get caught out through the middle um, he had a tough time um, at Liverpool but at home you know you, you'd have thought perhaps going forward and whatever um, but Zabaleta did, you know, had a good you know, season last year but he's defensive you know, he's not going to get forward as much. And, um, you know, I think, obviously, in a back four, you don't want your forward to perhaps get forward so much, and that's why he was selected for that particular game. But uh, home to Bournemouth, I thought Fredericks was going to play, and so I was surprised when he didn't. And uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for him now because <laughs> he suddenly thought, you know, I've moved to the club, and um, after one game, he was left out. But then mm. that's... Yeah, Pellegrini's got to have a look at him because, you know, in, it's so different playing league matches to friendlies and warm-ups and whatever. So he, I still think, is going to be decent. Um, so I'm, I'm confident. Diop, we don't know. Um, but Diop at, you know, 22 mil, I, from what I gather, I only saw him about 10 minutes at Ipswich in the warm-up game. But um, taller and quicker, but um, obviously has put one or two seeds of doubt in the pre-season games that didn't get him to start him point ahead of Balbuena and Balbuena is obviously more experienced okay in the air and whatever but not the quickest and um, you know certainly the first goal you know, against Bournemouth you know he, he lost the tackle Zabaleta lost the tackle and, you know, as well as Callum Wilson did I mean it would be one that you know, the manager would have been tearing his hair out and so that was a bad goal and then of course set piece again um, you know, cost us as well from there. So, you, you know, what we have to do, which we did quite a lot over the last two seasons, um, is have double whammies. So we concede a goal and then we concede another quick one. And you can't do that. You know, you, you've got to concede the goal, but you've got to be tough enough to, right, let's get back down to business. Can we get back and get into the lead? Whereas they carried on their momentum and, you know, they got the second goal, then they brought on another defender and then it's harder to break it down. So um, we have got to to stop the double whammies where they get two quick goals, um, particularly at home like that. But it did happen quite a few times over the last couple of years mm. if you backtrack. Um, so there, um, so but when you've got to try and... So I thought Jack did okay. Uh, Jack did uh, better um, in the second half up at Liverpool when he went deeper because the first half he was just off the striker and didn't well we didn't really use him because we never never got enough of the ball yeah. uh, and at home I thought he did okay um, playing that 
slightly deeper role. So, Jack, I think it'd be will be fine. Is that where you keep him, Trevor, as well, that slightly deeper role? Because yeah, yeah. there's always been talks of him potentially playing that number 10 role, but you'd, you'd play him deep. Yeah, I would. Mm. I um, I mean, it depends on our system, doesn't it, really? Um, but I think we've got enough attacking players, mm. you know, who quite like to play the number 10. So, and um, I don't think Jack would have back turned to goal too often, particularly at home when mm. you're pushing up and you've got numbers. I think he's much better facing up the opposition and seeing passes and running and shielding the ball. So I, you could you could have the, a flat back four, a holding one and two either side, um, a bit like England play, you know. So you could have four one four one, mm. but uh, it you know looked four two, uh, almost three one the, the other day. Although, um, Hernandez played slightly deeper, didn't he? It wasn't straight up with um, Anortovic. And then Anderson and Snodgrass. I mean, Snodgrass did okay. Um, but he's, you know, he probably would prefer to be the right one of three um, rather than wide on the right as a more of a winger. Um, but and of course he wasn't you know necessarily a newcomer this time round um, but um, Anderson of course is a big one uh, you know 40,000 uh, 40 million 40,000 uh, 40 million and um, really I he showed flashes of his ability uh, he needs targets people to, you know to go by and um, the first game up at Liverpool it struggled. Uh, I think he went off after about an hour where he got a knock or whatever. But in the second game at home, his, he, you know, he didn't really link up and, and the, the understanding wasn't there. Sometimes he knocked it somewhere and the person, <laughs> not had run off and whatever. So, you know, him and Diop, because of the money we pay for him, are two key players that mm. we've got to get into a system which gets the best out of them. Um, I mean, Yamalenko's okay um, Liverpool came on 15-20 minutes he, he's not going to track back he's a wide man winger come thing I thought he got one or two decent crosses when he came on the other the other day um, I actually thought Perez did quite well for 15-20 minutes as the second striker mm. um, when he took Hernandez off um, and so they all flickered but mm. you know when you've got so many players coming on each time we've had you know all 14 on someone's coming off somebody's peeved when you get taken off and and then somebody's not happy because they didn't start and then when they come on they're trying things too much a bit greedy or whatever it's it's a combination of the classic mm. uh, loads of people coming in mm. and as we sit here i'm sure the manager doesn't know who he best 11 are yet um fans don't but fans were frustrated because we already think we're going to, you know, we should be winning going up the table. So um, it is tough, but I think you could see the fluctuations for the first three months at least. I think that was always going to be the case. But yeah. the problem is with the fragile couple of years that we've had as a club and players, if you have a, you know, uncertain first three months, then everyone, oh no, you know, fans, the, mm. you know you're, you're already getting that doom and gloom from the last couple of years and that's yeah. suddenly the atmosphere for the players is suddenly they go behind in a match is not going to be easy but then you know that's what you get paid for these days mm. 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 we covered um, 
most positions in the transfer window, do you think we should have spent quite a bit of money on a, def- on a defensive midfielder? Because it was quite evident that we needed one against Bournemouth. Um, hmm, interesting. I had, you know, a defensive midfielder. Obiang Kyoti, you don't think they can do a defensive midfield job? I don't think Kiyoti can. Well, definitely now he's left. <laughs> It'd be a tall order to get him to defend for us now as a Palace. But no, I mean, no, in my opinion, he, he was highlighted too much last season. As at times, dare I say, looking like he doesn't care. Um, I'd love to think that wasn't the case, but that's how he came across. This is Kiyoti. This is Kiyoti, yeah. And for me, Obiang, I think on his day, he could play that role perfectly, but he doesn't have enough days. For me, I've always found him quite inconsistent, and injuries haven't helped him on that path, yeah. in my opinion. What would you think? Um, well, Sanchez is naturally the other one who's come yeah. in, who um, who can do that role. He can play, you know, left foot, uh, you know, left side. Have you? And the debate is because the speculation of never Saturday that you, you, know, you will have two together there. I saw, and a couple of people. Obiang and Sanchez got mentioned as a pair um, as the two to hold releasing Jack a bit I'd still like to see a three with Jack you know not being stuck in front of the the two holding players mm. um, so I think that remains to be seen obviously Noves then is under pressure for his position um, and I think you know, that's been discussed for uh, the last year or so, and it depends on the balance of the team and whatever, but he's not the quickest. So if you've got knows that you need somebody else different around him, is he, he probably these days, he he would struggle to get up and down, and so he's got to be one of those holding players. But at the moment, we've got, you know, people like Obiang and Sanchez and, and whatever, and it depends on what system he decides, you know, to play. Uh, Asked, I mean, what did you think of um, Anortovic and and Anders together? I think they showed at the start of the first half that they were linking up at times quite well, but it just seemed to drift apart after. Yeah, first twenty minutes, second half, they never had a link up. Yeah, they started, but then it just yeah, then it just they just fell apart. Yeah, I mean, as you know, Trevor, you're only as good as your service when you're a striker, and at the moment, everything is waiting to click. You know, from the defence upwards, and, and I think it's it's hard for the attacking players because whilst, whilst we haven't seen enough of them, I think you know the first two games we have seen, we haven't dominated in areas where we should have dominated. So therefore, I think the attacking players have been left quite restricted. That said, the idea of the pairing between Onoltovic and Hernandez, I think, is unbelievably exciting when we see us at our best, and you just want us to see our best sooner rather than later, especially with the money that we've paid, mm. you know, with pre-season as well and, and working with each other every day on the training ground. It's, it, it will click, I'm sure it will. And as soon as it does, and he sticks to that too and sticks to a system that he knows, and like you said, gets to know his best 11, mm. then I can't think of too many strikers realistically that I'd have as a, as a front two pairing on their day. But, yeah, it looks as if he's a flat-back four man, so mm. um, I would agree with we said earlier that probably Fredericks and Musiaga are wing backs, mm. so that means three at the back. Mm. Now Creswell was on the bench, so you know Cres can play the left of three, but I'm not sure he will play a three. I don't know. He might, having looked at what they did and done over the last year or two, see that that does. And then two wing backs, you know, can get forward, give you the width. You could then have two in the midfield and then one behind the front two. So you know. I could see the players in that group 
that might make that function. But um, I can't say, and you know, know whether he'd switch that early if he thought the flat back was, you know, not functioning um, because of the fullbacks you've got in the squad. That's all. Um, mm. So it's. I mean, the, the problem is, you know, the next five games are tough. I mean, whatever you want to say. Um, Arsenal, <laughs> it's interesting, I've been listening to the radio and it was quite funny and TV and um, they were talking about Arsenal because <laughs> uh, they followed us on TV and that. Mm -hmm. And then the pundits afterwards were talking about, yeah, well, they've had two really tough games, you know, City at home and um, and then you know, losing Chelsea 3-2, which was tight. But obviously they beat West Ham and then they've got... And, and sort of, they actually moved on West Ham. Sort of, you know, West Ham at Arsenal, you never know. No, you yeah. don't. Yeah. I don't think you ever know in general with West Ham. No, 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 no you don't. Yeah. But all I'm saying is, so you don't know that one, but everyone's assumption is Arsenal win that and get mm. off the mark. Okay. Mm. So then we've got Wolves. And Wolves are decent. Mm. I mean, yeah, well. they were unlucky against Leicester. It would work mm. three times, I think. And they, they passed the ball well. So that's mm. the home game that now we're having to hang our hat on. Well, we need to win that one because we've lost to Bournemouth. And then, of course, Everton is going to be tough up there with the money they've spent. They started okay, you know, four points. And, um, and then, okay, you might say it. Chelsea Man United might be the two games you need to to, to spring to life, but um, and Brighton beat Man United, so you know they're and again you don't know with us we, they, that could spring to life. But as we sit here, the f next five games are tough. Whatever you want to say, we are we've lost the first two, and you've got to get that. Um, mentality, right? I think, I think, funny enough, after that, we're away to Brighton as well, aren't we? Where last year we, we got done, and, and you know, they played well against Man United. And uh, then I think we got Spurs Leicester. I mean, it's, it's, it's as you said, there's no easy games. No. Um, I saw somebody about a couple of weeks ago, they said, God, December, we've got some good games. Didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, December, yeah, wait, yeah. three or four. I said, have you looked at the purse? sort of a couple of months so he said yeah but we're yeah, late but, but that you know that's how we look at it yeah, at times yeah, like that. there's always next week yeah. but um, yeah we want in the next five games we want a couple of performances where you can see the potential mm -hmm. you know and um, even though people have said at the first you know the first 45 minutes we didn't do bad and thought we were going to go on a win I couldn't I've said that half time myself. I watched the first half. I thought we had more chances than we have in previous home games because we, we did attack a bit more. But I thought Bournemouth could have scored two or three. And I just thought, I think they'll score. But whether we can score more. But once we went, yeah, you know, level and then they got the second goal, it was a struggle. And so that is the mental blockage you can get when you've had the last couple of years that we have. So, and even those nine or 10 players that are different, you can sense it around the ground and uh, I know uh, you know manager you know, said to the fans to stay and try and encourage us because we only won behind but you know it did empty pretty quick the stadium and um, so some of the new players would have looked at that and thought goodness me uh, but we probably are after the last couple of years the fans are a bit frustrated and patience isn't there and uh, so they they made a quick getaway but in the end you know, the team have got to try and get the results to turn that round. Mm. And we all know that, but it, it is easier 
said they'd done as we sit here and talk. Mm, I was going to ask you about that, actually, because Pellegrini's comments kind of insinuated that the fans have to do more when we're just a goal behind, for example, and, and shouldn't leave the stadium with 10 minutes left and there's still all to play for. And I think you might have already answered my next question in terms of whether you agree with that or not. <coughs> I think he's... If you're coming into the club, you're a new manager, <coughs> you just brought in X number of players, yeah, I think that was really... Um, probably a surprise for him, uh, you know, because he hadn't he hadn't been there over the last couple of years, so he doesn't know, you know, the fan gets frustrated rather than start shouting and hollering at the players. It, it, you know, he'll go out or she'll go out, and um, so it um, it was probably something new to him. And you know, when he was at Man City, he, he wouldn't have experienced that before. And uh, you know, I don't know what happens abroad if that's the case, but. As there was only one goal in it, he probably was a bit surprised. Um, but the fans, as you're sitting and watching, could sense perhaps who weren't going to get back into it. So, um, you know, they decided, you know, to leave, and that's their prerogative. And in the end, um, it's just the players now have got to turn that round and get the fans on their side. I thought there was a pretty good noise, as it should have been for the first half and the first game and whatever. It's just you know, two goals in quick succession. They, we had seen that before uh, in the last couple of seasons. And it, and it was just almost habit, I think, for the fan. Oh, no. Mm. Yeah, so, and they and they make track, well, I want to try and get away quick and whatever. And um, so they, they kicked into where they've been the last couple of seasons. And, and that, mm. you, you can only turn that round by performances and results. And uh, again, that's easy for me to sit there and say that. But that is something that, um, you know, I'm sure... Uh, the fans will see what has been said and, and perhaps take that on board. But you know, the Wolves, the Wolves game is going to be tough. But obviously, that's the one that everyone's trying to hang their hat on. Uh, and then the two, you know, arguably big sides, Chelsea Man U. The next two home games, what you don't want is one or two of those games that we've had in the last couple of seasons where we get done by four or whatever. Mm. Um, that would be a nightmare. So, at some stage. We've got to try and lock up that defensive frailty, which, you know, has shown six goals in two games, which has been certainly a niggle now for the last couple of seasons that it's too easy to score the goals against us. And, um, and how, with his experience, you know, I'm sure we've just got to rely on him to do that. But all I'm saying is I think you know, with a player, getting to know you, your best side, your structure. I think three months is the time that we can then have a look at. But what we want to try and see in three months time is something, you know, where it's not still doom gloom, but you, you've seen those green shoots of mm. improvement and, you know, individual players are starting to settle now and playing better and, and but it's, it's all, you know, Expectancy, rather than anything where I could sit here now at the moment and say, "Don't worry, it'll happen," because I don't, you know, you, you don't see him train, and you don't know the characters, and what you have seen is uh, a fragile defensive situation where, you know, against certainly Liverpool and Bournemouth, I mean, we, we conceded six, but could have been more, mm. and uh, so it's not we were unlucky; it was we were vulnerable defensively and so that is something that um, I'm sure we will be aware of because 
even if you start scoring goals at the other end it's no good losing 3-2 great game but we lost and at the moment my concern will be would be as a fan we've got to shut up shop a bit yeah. and, that, and that, that's not trying to say be ultra defensive whatever but we've got to we've got to go through a couple of games where we think yeah, we're looking pretty solid now yeah, and that gives you the basis for you to add to your attacking improvements but at the moment I don't think we pick up a lot of points with that sort of fragile defensive display that we've seen in the last two games Community Radio for Brentwood and Billericay this is Phoenix FM this is Julian Dix you're listening to the West Ham Way on Phoenix FM Okay, so we touched on last season a little bit and some of the things that you've been saying, but let's take it right back. What do you think went wrong for Billich, you know, after having the season we had at Upton Park and then another sort of average season at the Olympic Stadium and then he got sacked quite early on into the into the second season there? Why, why was that? Why did it just not work for him? Um, again, you'd have to put a few question marks against some of the players. I mean, whether Slavin lost that ability to motivate them or get them organised or whatever. But um, I think the most damning fact was when we got tonked by four or five goals, you know, on three or four occasions against quality sides. And for me, the heads went down far too quickly. Uh, and if we went behind it again, it was a case of... Uh, you know, I wonder how many they're going to get rather than are we going to get back into this. So from Slavin's point of view, particularly those three or four months at the start of that second season, um, we were very soft centre. And um, so who, who's the blame? I mean, I, I, you can't sort of start looking at individuals or whatever, but um, there's no question that... Um, there were a few that heads went down and you know they they accepted it was going to be one of those games so when the change was made it's uh, it's easy to make the change but then you know lots of people <laughs> debated and, and Moisey came in um, and to be fair to David he, he brought in his his three coaches and Piercy and you know the other two lads who he'd been working with previously and um, they got it a bit tighter um, and I think for a spell, I don't know, February, March, people were talking about he might, you know, get his a new contract and everything. And then suddenly, um, we had a bad little patch. Lost to Brighton, lost to Swansea, and um, yeah, we. In fact, the Swansea one was really bad. One we lost to Liverpool. I think they got four of them. And suddenly, everyone was, you know, we still weren't out of the woods. And so I think, unfortunately for him. The, probably a decision was taken to look elsewhere because in the end we picked up seven points in the last eight days you know <laughs> went up to Leicester and we won there mm. who, who were struggling at the time um, and and then we drew Manchester United and beat Everton so to a certain extent we finished 13th if you looked at the table two weeks after the end of the season that's not bad I mean they should do better than that but they're 13th but as it happens eight days before the end of the season we were still wondering if we were going to get relegated so mm-hmm. it came too late I think to say uh, Moisey and by then probably they were looking around so um, that's a shame really that um, you know you couldn't plan too much in the future because uh, you know they didn't know that decision then obviously David left and then the uh, you know, Pellegrini comes in, but 
from a player's point of view, then you go off to World Cup and stuff like that. So everyone, uh, you know, drifts away, and um, and he's probably just looked at film and videos of the playing staff, and then some of them come back late because they've been away with the, you know, the national companies and that. So pre-season, I mean, you know, you've seen some of the bigger clubs moaning, groaning, their players weren't there, and you know, um, it's not been easy to get them ready for the openings of the season. We've had nine or ten players, and people are coming back at different times for that pre-season so they're the things that are the uh, repercussions of the last two years really where Slavin who did great for a while then had that bad three or four months and then you know David who got them organised better defensively to be fair um, and you know for me you know the only thing you, you got to remember also is that he made 60 million on the transfer market in January. I mean, everyone was looking at the transfer market and he amazingly got 17, 80 million back for AU, <laughs> which mm. actually then gave the club a, a, like a 15 million profit on their January transfers. Uh, all right, Hugo you know, wasn't a success as a striker, but they'll get their money back on him if they have decided you know, for a championship player as a centre forward. But unfortunately, he wasn't able to bring anyone in, but he gave them that 15 million plus which then, uh, you know, enabled them to utilise that during this summer. But, um, you know, Slavin probably needed a rest and, uh, you know, going back to him, I think, you know, fans still look on him with fond memories. You know, the last mm, season at yeah. uh, West Ham with Payet and, you know, nearly <laughs> finishing. Um, and the last game, you know, of the season, rearranged Man United. I mean, it was a fitting way to, to, to leave the old stadium mm. but um, you know there was always that doubt with some fans about going to the new stadium mm. what it would be like and whatever and of course the results haven't helped so it's been a fuss, you know tough first couple of years to be fair you know, they've put some money into trying to rectify that but we won't know that until we, we sit here at the end of the season probably mm. but we'd like to know it you know sort of by November time you know hours taking shape so the infamous game against Burnley last season um, there was a photograph of yourself that was released of you sitting on your own in the director's box <laughs> what was going through your mind when all that was going on um, I think at the time it was quite an important game you know home to Burnley not being unkind to Burnley but you know it's a sort of match you thought even though they were what seventh at the time six seven um, we needed to try and win and for now it was you know, nil-nil. There had been discussions, you, you know, one or two demonstrations would come from fans at some stage, but naturally when they scored a goal, uh, and he often did that in games, Sean, he, he brought on his second striker, Chris Wood came on about an hour, uh, you know, an hour into the game, half hour to go to, having weathered the storm from the home team, mm. just mm. thought, could he punch, uh, you know, could he pinch a goal from you know, that last half hour which happened within five minutes and um, it was a soft goal again a great strike from the edge of the penalty area but we you know Wood got the ball out wide and, and was allowed across I think if I remember um, you know we should have blocked it there but he got onto the edge of the penalty area and before James could shut him down he had a screaming shot and uh, I mean then we never looked as if we were going to but that was a signal that was when the button was pressed for the people who had decided, yeah, we wanted to demonstrate, and then we had about, um, you know, 100 odd around the director's box, and then a couple of people running off the pitch and stuff like that. And so it was definitely an organized, uh, uh, you know, 
uh, event to show the dissatisfaction of the fans. Then obviously when I was in the Rex, I mean, at that stage I was still hopeful that we, <laughs> down, we might get back into it. <laughs> Foolish that I was. But, um, and then of course they started throwing one or two coins, which was not, not great. And so that's You were just trying to catch the coins and keep them for yourself, was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, were, they probably made a few bob on the day. But um, it was, um, you know, then the security people there just said, to you know, one or two board members of that best to go inside and whatever. But at that stage, I will, I'm, I'm on the left-hand side of the board uh, area uh, of the seats. So I thought, well, um, I still was hoping we could get back into it. And I'm pretty sure they wouldn't. They won't throw one at me. Um, Safest man in the house. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. Mm. But I was, yeah, I was hoping anyway. And so at Touchwood, uh, they didn't. And. Uh, and then it settled down because everyone who went in and there, as you say, it was hardly only myself. And then <laughs> the embarrassment was about I don't know, eight, nine minutes to go when they sadly, the lads have been throwing things and whatever started. So there was only one trouble. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you needed, really. I could hardly wave to them at that particular stage. So, Start doing selfies with yeah, people. Yeah. So, so that was weird. But, um, I think they'd probably call them for you to come on. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we'd gone behind. Was it 3 1 in the. I thought, yeah, anyway, we lost. And, uh, and so it was doom and gloom. I think um, from then on, then, as luck would have it, there was an England sort of break, international break, March must have been, and um, we were out of the cup. And so we had three weeks um, before we we were then due to to face Southampton uh, in a home game, which was crucial because, you know, they were there or thereabouts and we, we just had to win that one. I mean, yeah. lost against Burnley. Mm. And so um, the club then, you know, had two or three meetings with one or two of the supporter groups, asked us to go along to one of those and I met some of those and we, we had a discussion and really just said, look, uh, it's pretty frustration, I'm sure, but um, we need to stay up. You know, otherwise, <laughs> the debate tends to um, not become a uh, you know, second stage because we've gone down, but it's, it's not as relevant if we don't stay up. So... Uh, we appealed then for the um, for the atmosphere to be a lot better for that, and then to be because there was a three week break and people had worked hard. To be fair, the fans were great, and if you remember, we got three goals I think in the first half, and we won that three nil. And then just always looked as if we might have enough. And then of course the eight, uh, yeah, Leicester was the one I always looked away. I went up there and we played well, and but they'd had one or two rumblings at the club at the time, and um, and so uh, that was a good place to go. We got our win, and and then we were all all right but um, you know that um, then you know it's given I suppose the club the time to understand that you know they do have to do, uh, have to invest some money and that you know, to be fair them, you know they changed the manager and then uh, allowed him to spend what they have and now it's a case of hoping that you know does the trick but as we said let's not get carried away mid-table this time round is what I'd I'd like, yeah, yeah. And, and and by the time you get to the end of the season, can you see the team improving? Can you see some players there that you can hang your hook on for next, the following season and and gradually start to get comfortably into the top half and move on from there? So that's really, I think, um, where we want to, to you know to go from. But it's yeah, it's. 2018 has been a pretty traumatic time if you're a fan if you're you know involved with the club if you're a player and whatever it's been tough and um, let's not beat about the bush but um, what we do need is to try and 
get it up and running that it is more optimistic you know towards the end of this year because that's December that whatever our fixes are uh, you know if you're, you're struggling confidence wise don't matter who you're playing you're in trouble so um, they've got to try and re-establish get some confidence one or two of the newer lads start to impact and the new manager and suddenly the crowd feel yeah things are getting better but let's let's not get carried away. Let's, let's see if we can have a good cup run if, mm. if we've turned the league form around. But the priority is to get the league form yeah. sorted yeah. because that's the only way you get the consistency with the players and actually then start to understand next summer where you need to strengthen the team. Because this year, with all those players coming in, you know, some will hopefully be okay and others not. But you've got to identify that. So come you know March, April time, you're ready to go in the three or four positions you definitely need then to strengthen it from there but I mean you can't plan that way if you if you are where we were last season because we're thinking great we've got to stay up here and, and, and so you don't even think about you know getting a position there so that's where we've got to get to get to March time where you know we are comfortably mid-table we're you know showing signs even if consistently not there tighter defensively and then what do you think we need this summer? Because you, you want to try and then go in early to pick up the the, yeah, the players that you want for that following season. So, and and then Pellegrino's seen him for a season, and he's starting at the end of the close season, not coming in halfway through the summer. Mm. Yeah. Um, this weekend we had uh, Ian Pierce as our guest at our pre-match um, event, and he was asked the question, "Who's the best manager he's ever worked under?" And he named yourself. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> do, do, do you ever have any? Do you have any regrets about not taking the job on on a, on a full-time basis? Uh, you know, looking back at that time. No, I. I I'd always promised my wife I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? <laughs> Why is that? Well, um, she'd, I mean, she'd always said, like, I, I, I know I have had a fantastic rapport with fans and, you know, 19 years playing and then um, as such would have it, you know, had a, that little spell uh, as such. But um, I'd, I'd always... Uh, if you looked at managers and they've gone back to their clubs, even if it goes well for a couple of years, there's always a season where you get an injury, a couple of injuries, or you start bad or whatever, and then it all goes wrong. And we're in a world now where, you know, patience is very short. And uh, mm-hmm. so you can, you know, you can find yourself not working out and moving on. And I mean, it's, it's the wrong reason, but uh, Ilka said, I never want you to have the situation where you manage West Ham and then you know you, you, you're tossed out and it's undone all you did as a player and to be fair if if I I was lucky when I packed up playing I'd always thought about what I was going to do and I um, I ended up going to the sports council Eastern Regional Sports Council then I became vice chairman I got chairman of the sports council and so I had a really good time there and uh, ended up being the ch- at the time when we got the lottery money so from flying away with government moaning and groaning for 50 million for the whole of sport in this country we ended up getting over 300 million and I went off to Sydney I went, so that was a great time and Touchwood went well and I think helped me then get the football development role at the FA because they saw what I did there they knew that um, you know in all the counties you've got all the governing bodies 45 but they're all all the councillors tend to govern the game so 
hand out the discipline, but we didn't have football development. So they asked me to develop all the 45 counties. So I did that. Mark Pallias was the fellow who brought us there, who's now <laughs> in charge of Tranmere. And so uh, I started doing that. And then obviously at the FA, was involved with the younger age groups and then got St George's Park underway with, you know, the new Wembley and stuff like that. So it was, it was an exciting time. So I've had two really exciting roles, mm -hmm. the Sports Council and the FA, which were fantastic. If I had struggled with those or, or something hadn't worked out and I'd left, that might have been more of a challenge. But it, it, I was very lucky that the two moves I made turned out to be touchwood successful and where I really felt I was able to make an impact and change for the better where when we left so if i'd gone somewhere and it struggled then you're thinking about because i you know you know your football and whatever but um the lucky part was you know i enjoyed sports council and the fa and then when i retired three years ago it was because they were going up to st george's park um basing everyone up there all the teams and whatever i did the first two years and and then handed over really to the likes of gareth and dan ashworth and uh and they've been doing well and you know the teams well seniors did well but the big one was summer of 17 when 17 under 17s won the world cup yeah. uh, you know 19s won the euros mm -hmm. 20s won the world cup and we lost the semi-final the under 21 so we know in the next decade youngsters coming through will make the senior team mm -hmm. dangerous i think so that's mm -hmm. great yeah mm -hmm. community radio for brentwood and billericay this is phoenix fm this is Matthew Evinson and you're listening to The West Ham Way on Phoenix FM. Right, this is the final part of the show where, as always, we answer questions from our collective followers on social media. Thanks, as always, to everyone that sent his questions in. Um, quite keen for you to take the lead on some of these answers, Trev, so we can get your perspective on uh, some of these questions. Mm -hmm. And Kev's going to kick us off with what the uh, first one is. This is from at James Hill. In hindsight, now two, three years in, uh, would you rather stay at the bowling knowing what we all know now? Um, I've always been pretty philosophical about going to Stratford, only from the point of view, and if you go there regularly and you try to travel by tube, which luckily I wasn't having to do that often, I mean, the district line, the tube was, and, and if you had to queue up outside afterwards, this, and this was 35,000 people at, uh, you know, up to bar, and a lot of them just walked, you know, whether they walked to Stratford and, you know, other, other stations in order not to be queuing up for it. And then parking was pretty bad when it was 25,000, so <laughs> parking was, was a shocker as well. So, to get the opportunity to go to a 55,000 stadium in Stratford for two and a half million a year, did seem pretty good and I think it still would have been a really good deal if the London Stadium Development Group would have let or do let the club move 50 yards closer, closer where the director's box side is I, that is the big killer for me mm. um, you know the side of Westfield and two behind the goals I think is fine um, but if you're in <laughs> You're in the uh, director's box. I always remember because we just played Bournemouth. Um, their, their little chairman's a very funny character. And I always remember two years ago when we got we were playing him early, and he came into into 
ballroom and he said, oh yeah. He said, I must have a look outside. And so he goes outside <laughs> and he goes, oh my goodness. And he, he put his two little <laughs> sort of eye piece as if they were binoculars and said, goodness me, will I be able to see my team? And, and it was like, where I'm not sure the two Davids or Karen would have been that great, great. But it, it summed up his initial reaction at remembering he's got a grand 12, 13,000, yeah. Yeah, which is right yeah. on top of it. And so... Uh, you can't you can't get that atmosphere, and I know you know some great loyal fans of West Ham haven't been because they just don't think it's where they should have gone. And so, I just at the time thought um, if they could get that notch closer that side, and there's still the debate. And you got to say, I mean, they hardly have athletics event. Yeah, you know, they just had a diamond meeting last month, but mm. hardly any of the top stars were there because they got the European Championships a month later. So. Mm. You've got the, uh, I think it's Commonwealth Games at Birmingham in 2021. So everything will go there for athletics-wise. Um, so for the sake of a year or two, can't you get that move across the track sooner rather than later? But there's, you know, I'm sure the stadium people want more money out of West Ham because it cost them 220 million to convert it to a usable football stadium after initially they decided they wouldn't have it for football. And then of course as the years ticked along for two or three, and they suddenly thought, goodness me, it's going to cost us a fortune to keep it open. And then they came back to West Ham, but West Ham then needed it to be converted to a football stadium. But the fact you've got all that concrete block outside, it's not identifiable as West Ham, so fans don't feel as if they come into the stadium until they get in. Um, all those things have meant the first two years have been pretty bleak. And um, uh, But um, I think you've got to try and make it work now, obviously. Uh, and if you go down up to Park, it's a, it's a housing development there. And so um, we have got to try and move on. Mm. Okay. Um, this one's from at Dan Chapman. At, sorry, at Dan underscore Chapman 2011. What do you think of the Reese Oxford situation? I personally think we should keep him and help him grow as a player. He can be a brilliant talent if he gets his head right. Plus, he and Rice could be a brilliant partnership in the future. Yeah, Reese is a, an interesting one. I... Um, I mean, Declan has done well. I'm disappointed he hasn't, you know, got, got in uh, this season because he, he played really well the last three months of the season. Um, I know height-wise, there's always been a question mark, you know, whether he deal with balls in the air, but I think he's fine. Um, Reese, two or three years, they, all the club were talking about him. He's going to be great. And, uh, and then I saw him a couple of times, funny enough, at the FA. Saw him in the under-19s, and, and he, he had a couple of challenging games, particularly against the Brazil team. And um, his pace got him out of a lot of trouble when he was younger. And then, obviously, he was linked with other clubs. Money was involved. And I just think, I mean, he made a couple of great games, if you remember, playing as anchor man in midfield, what, probably two seasons ago now. Yeah. Uh, played at Arsenal, funny enough, early in the season. He played really well. But he was yeah. as an anchor man in midfield. But they always thought then he could convert him to a defender. But for England and then West Ham. He didn't kick on. And, um, you know, sometimes I just think, you know, the money that's involved in the game, you know, they were talking stupid wages and whatever. And, and you've not delivered yet. You know, that's a frustration. And, and then sometimes you make, you have a little spell, which all footballers have where, you know, played quite so well. And suddenly you can be a little fragile confidence-wise, which I think happened. And then, you know, the, the one that really hurt him, we went to, I think it was Reading on loan, yeah. and um, 
they played at Norwich and he hadn't played and then he played the first game and, and they were six down at half yeah. time and he got he was at for a couple of the yeah he got criticised heavily mm. and, and then they didn't play him for the rest of the season mm. and then from there of course he went abroad last year so he's never quite and yet um, they look quite keen in Germany to to take him but um, you don't want to give away a talent if he can suddenly get fulfilling that so it looks as if he's going to go back out on loan now because I you know, I don't think he um, he's probably going to get a chance here, particularly with how yeah. fragile, uh, yeah, how fragile we are defensively at the moment. So another year, I wouldn't sell him now because, you know, if we can get a centre half, full playing centre half who's good and quick, then great. But he he'll, he'll need to have a good season somewhere in the next twelve months to to get that confidence back, which seems to have been affected the last couple of years. Um, the, so I don't know if you've seen, but the club um, have been running the top 50 players on the website, um, um, which I think they decided with supporters' opinion. And um, at ruthless underscore rice has asked <laughs> last week the club did the 50 greatest hammers of all time. I think the top five were Devonshire fifth, Jeff Hurst fourth, yourself third, Billy Bond second, and Bobby Moore first. Um, it's a difficult question, but if you was to pick your top three, who, who, who would it be? Uh, all right. Well, I mean, look, the World Cup lads were fantastic. Yeah. And obviously, I'm slightly biased that I, I would always go with, with Bonzo mm. because um, I played with Bonzo for 19 years. He was a right back, and then he, he came into midfield with me, protected me, and kicked anyone who was trying to kick me. And then, <laughs> and then he went in the back four to sort Alvin out, who tried Alvin like to dribble out a couple of times during 90 minutes and Bill didn't think that was a very good idea and told him that and so he, he then made Alvin into an England international as well and then we had Ray Stewart and, and Frank Lampard and Parksy that, that defence was the best event so mm. for me yeah I mean um, Bonzo was my number one after that you know certainly Bobby and Jeff I mean Martin Peters is the midfield yeah. player who I, I, I like to watch um, a lot of people would have loved Julian wouldn't they yes. as such but I mean um, mm. I would always look at Bobby and Jeff because that's when I came to the clubs in the, just around about 66 but overall um, you know looking back Bonzo would always be my number one yeah mm. well the sad thing is we've got lots and lots of questions still to ask but no time to answer them sorry um, I ramble on the time. no, no, no interesting no listen uh, it, it's been it's been brilliant as it always is um, but that is all we've got time for on what was our 100th podcast I thank you to everyone for listening not just uh, listening tonight but for the past, past two years because this show would be nothing without its listeners and of course the biggest thank you of the evening goes to Sir Trevor Brookin for providing us with a fascinating listen as always uh, have you had a nice time Trev? yeah no great I wish you well and, you know, Likewise, certainly mate. the next two years got to be better than the, <laughs> <laughs> the results of West Ham have provided you uh, over the yeah. last two but more than anything you know I think just ask everyone to, to really stay patient this year and try and I, I, I'm hopeful Pellegrini I like him as an individual and yeah. Yeah, I, I'd like him to turn it round and uh, let's see where we are at the end of the season well hopefully on the 200th show when you come in we might have won a cup <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 200th show I might have hosted it in a little shed if we've gone yeah. down <laughs> it might be the manager on the 200th yeah. show you never know <laughs> anyway many thanks <laughs> yeah likewise mate likewise well we hope you've enjoyed it at home as much as we have take care of yourselves and until next week Come on, you irons. <laughs>